0: And well I tell you what. And welcome to Sunday No, I want you to say it. I want you to say it, Charlie.
1: And welcome to Sunday Coffee. Yes. I, want I, to, I don't know if I'm talented enough to do that.
0: Well, Bart. no, because you're you're the one that tweeted it out yesterday. Somebody, you know, walking bully tweeted and said, Yeah, i love to hear the Nanawia drawl that says, and welcome to Sunday coffee. And you came
1: back and said, I never get to say that. I know. So let me let me put some enthusiasm into this then. All right. And welcome to Sunday Coffee, WNBC. Charlie Winfield, along with Bart Gregory. A lot better field this week than it was last week.
0: We would not have been joking around in the open last week. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> stay uh, sweeping Missouri this weekend. And so, Charlie, looking back and kind of did what we had to do, and which is kind of interesting when you start looking at how Alabama had really played of late. This is a team that had gotten better as the year has gone on. And then you go to Tuscaloosa, you set the tone in the Thursday game, and i tell you what, overall, a big series sweep this weekend over in T-Town.
1: More than wins for me was how you played. We said last week on our show out of left field that we wanted to see a team go over and win, but the big thing we wanted to do was to finish the weekend saying we were playing well. I thought a couple of things. Number one, Tanner Allen is just a guy. And how cool that we talked to Pete Young last week. Because Pete Young was the guy who always had his uniform dirty, just rugged, always ready to play. In fact, we had gotten a tweet, I think you had gotten a message about a week ago comparing Tanner Allen to him. We had that conversation with Pete. And then look what he does in the ball game yesterday. Laying out. Look, it's one thing to lay out on the grass for a ball. But that warning, that's not soft dirt on the track over there. That's crushed brick. That is no fun, and that's what Tanner Allen did I feel good about the team and the fact that they got up off the mat. They played with energy.
0: I'm not all about individual awards, especially you know this time of year when you start trying to fight for regional hosts and national seeds. But let me tell you this, and I know there are some other fans out there that believe in their players, but there, if there is anyone more deserving of SEC Player of the Year Award than Tanner Allen, I'd like to meet him because there's just – nobody there. This this really I mean you can create you can create controversy, you can create debate. But when you look at what this guy has done in the field without an error, what he's done at the plate in SEC play and not just collecting a base hits. He's not Sammy Sosa. Now I was a Cubs fan growing up. Sammy Sosa always hit the home run solo shot when you're down by six. And he hit a lot of those. Look at how many big base hits tanner allen has gotten not only is it does he have a great average not only has he hit home runs not only does he play well in the field he's the guy you want at the plate when the screws tighten he's the guy you wanted to plate at the end and so i say all of that to say this he has to be your sec player of the year
1: there are people in baseball who will tell you that there's no such thing as clutch that there's no such thing as guys who hit well with people on base, that you are who you are. It's just a product, a sample size. It just kind of works out that way. I fundamentally reject that idea. I absolutely believe that there are guys who play better when it matters, and I think 10 Allen is one of those guys. Number one, he hits better in league play than not. He hit over 400 in SEC games, and we've talked about the SEC coming into this year It's not just good. The talent level, the pitching level in this league is phenomenal. The other thing about Tanner Allen is you've seen a guy who improved. When he was a freshman, what did you think his position on the field would be? I mean, the thing, your thought was, the guy can hit, but where are you going to put him? And now the guy is a very dependable outfielder. And the guy just plays hard. I think he sets the tone, and I think he is a clutch player. I think he is an all-time Mississippi State great.
0: After the regular season, he finished yesterday in league play only. This is the best league in America. He hit 411 in the SEC. Only guy in the league, Trey Morgan down at LSU, hit 390. Enrique Bradfield at Vanderbilt hit 373. So you're talking about 40 points difference between first and third in the SEC as far as hitting in league games only. And Tanner Allen hit 411. And so, man, yeah, 51 hits, led the league in league play. I'm looking at league play only. Five triples led the league. RBIs led the league, 34. He's done it all. And so he's got to be your player of the year in the SEC. What a great year. How fun it's been to watch him. Okay, let's look back at this weekend overall. States uh, set the tone on Thursday. 4-2 4-2 to win against Bama in the Thursday game. Really kind of got off to a slow start offensively, put together that one big inning, and that's really all you needed. Christian McLeod came out, pitched well, seven innings of work. Gave up two runs, both earned on five hits. He struck out ten. He walked just one through 96 pitches. and So you got a real good outing from Christian McLeod to get everything started on the weekend.
1: How about this? And I'm going to get us off the subject of this weekend a little bit for one second and take a macro view because you bring up Christian McLeod we went eight and two in the SEC on Fridays what I'll call the Friday game one of a series when we came into this season what did we do we sat around just like everybody else and we pulled out the draft prospects and we talked about how many times he was going to be going up against guys who are rated higher than him and boy What are we going to do on Fridays? Because we know McLeod's good, but he's going to be facing some great guys. He had his ups. He had his downs. But when you add it all up, we won eight of our first games in SEC series. That's pretty impressive.
0: Well, it really is. Get off that 1-0 start. You know, you kind of ask yourself the question. So, we were 8-2, which gives you that good start on the weekend. What our only two losses? Arkansas-Vanderbilt, that would have been it, right? Yeah, that's it. Arkansas-Vanderbilt, of course you didn't win a, win a game against Arkansas. Vanderbilt, you won the Saturday game, and then you lost the Sunday game. So do you have our record of what we did each day? Eight and two on Friday, that's, that's simply outstanding, and it kind of goes back to, to what you just said a moment ago. And I know when you're early in the year and you're in January, you start trying to, and we did it here. We went through all the draft prospects and you start trying to figure out, okay, who are your matchups going to be in game one of a series? And you start seeing some of these big time names in the SEC and you wonder what your record is going to be on Friday nights or game one. Because you can be a really good pitcher in this league and be four and five, five and four, six and four pitching against the best in the country. But finishing eight and two in game ones. Now McLeod didn't get the win in all those. So you kinda ask yourself the question too about you know, you had to shoot some bullets probably out of the bullpen and you wonder what that did on the backside of your record, say on Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Eight and two in game ones, seven and three in game twos, then five and five in the game threes of the weekend. And I think you make an interesting point. Go back to the Missouri series, what do we talk about? That in game one, not only do you start McLeod, but you have to use Brandon Smith, Preston Johnson, and Landon Sims all to win that ball game against Missouri. And what does that do to you as the weekend plays out? And You know, it's interesting. Arkansas, who finished two games ahead of us, they were 8-2 and two on Sundays. Isn't it kind of funny? You know, we talked with Josh Lovelady wow. on a Sunday morning, and we asked him, you asked him the question, what is the separation point for teams in the SEC? and Josh's answer was it was inning 7 8 and 9. It was the back third of a ball game. Arguably the separation point this year has been the back third of a weekend. It's been we went 5 and 5 on Sundays, they went 8 and 2. Now, not to overplay it. Look, you beat Arkansas in that Sunday game, you beat a one game and you tie for the SEC title. That's Just win how one. close it is. Just one.
0: Just win one. And I go back to the point, Charlie, of what we said in Sunday Coffee that week, is we're comparing ourselves to where the top team in the country is and where we are. Arkansas is still the top team in the country. I mean, you can look across the NCAA, and they're the best team. They're going to be the overall number one seed. As you said, if you win one game, you win one game against Arkansas, you tie for the overall SEC championship. So to me, that says another thing of – Over the next four weeks, five weeks, however long this thing plays out, really anybody, 15 teams, 16 teams, there's a lot of teams out there that could win the national championship. I mean, I know Arkansas, you know, the, the thing about teams that make a super regional and are national seeds and have a chance to get to Omaha through their home stadiums, yeah, they have a little bit more of a leg up. But when you look at this year and how things have played out, really and truly, there's probably 15 teams that could win the whole daggum thing.
1: I think baseball has more teams with a chance to win it than any other sport. You certainly would never say going into the final month of football season, there's still 15 teams who could be national champion. Nothing close. I don't think you can say that in basketball. No. I think college baseball is deep. I'm looking at the RPI numbers right here. Number 15 in RPI right now is Ole Miss. Ole Miss, do you think they have a chance to win it?
0: Absolutely. I think you have to throw them in there. I think anybody in the top 15
1: save Fairfield. I'm going to add another. How about this? Florida's 22. You think Florida's got a chance to win it? Absolutely. That's interesting. You know, everybody's kind of overlooking Florida. Yeah, They got swept. They're by Arkansas. They're not that good. They didn't play great against South Carolina. Florida was picked to be number one coming into the season by everybody and they finished 17 and 13 they've had their ups and downs they're still a really good baseball team that can get hot and make a run in this thing it's all about getting hot at the right time
0: and now you get to that time you get to that point of the season tennessee's playing well tcu got beat two out of three this weekend against kansas state people are losing games you you don't have that dominance say fairfield who <laughs> in a, they're 33 uh, 35 and 1 overall but i mean and hey congratulations to what they have done cuz hey it's, it's tough to do that in any league but they've done it you know texas is number 3 vandy's number 4 we'll start talking about the the rpi and i look at warren nolan just because it, it it's easier to look at arizona who lost last night to oregon state they're at 6 Texas Tech's kind of playing themselves back in the possible national seed. They're at eight. Tennessee at number nine. There's your fighting Irish at number 10. Man, everybody's wound up about Notre Dame. I, I hate to say this, but every, conver- every conversation I hear, if somebody's wanting to take shots or taking shots at Notre Dame, hey, they ain't not played anybody. Of course, the ACC is down this year. And I'm not trying to get on your good side right now and talk about your alma mater.
1: But... Notre Dame's a good team this year. It's hard to take any team seriously in those gold helmets, though. Boy, we talk about some bad uniforms. Yeah, those gold baseball helmets are just hideous.
0: Oh, they wear gold. I see. I've not watched them play. Yeah, it's a new. So thing. you've taken it to another level. I just know their record. I know their paper. I've never watched them. I think it's it's like Fairfield. I, I put right. Fairfield and Notre Dame
1: in the same bracket. There, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Send Fairfield to the South Bend regional. <laughs> if you look though. Wouldn't you say that every team on this list is beatable? Every team is, even when I say beatable, every team can lose a game. I think every one of these teams can lose a series.
0: And that's why I go back to the point, is normally it's, hey, 15 teams could win or 10 teams could win because you've got 10, like, teams that are pushed themselves above everybody else. The cream has risen to the top. I look at all 15 of these, like you just said, that could go 2-and-Q in their NCAA regional, okay? It could happen right. with any of these teams,
1: including us. Yeah, and so here's an interesting and I, I realize I've gotten you way off point talking about the first game. You have. But I'm enjoying this line of top conversation here. So let's look at Mississippi State right now because I want to go back to that 5-and-5 five five point. What is the thing that everybody has to do to get through a regional? you got to win at least three and maybe more, right? Yeah, and that third game becomes a big key. And so where are we? You know, we feel really good, but if you, it basically put you in a spot McLeod's got to win, Bednar's got to win, you still got to win one more. Where are you at that point? After yesterday – everybody's going to say,
0: man, you got to start Houston Harding. Well, we saw what he did in the start, and this is not a knock at him. Sometimes guys just have more confidence coming out of the bullpen.
1: I mean, we've seen that.
0: Yeah, we saw it in 2013. You know, Trevor Fitz would go out there, and whenever somebody would get a base hit, here comes Chad Gerardo. Same with Ross Mitchell. Some guys just feel more comfortable warming up in the bullpen and coming out instead of working out of the windup in the first pitch of the ballgame. To me, Houston Harding is that guy. I look at what he did in, in yesterday's game, he pitched to contact. He didn't have a single strikeout. Our pitching staff yesterday had two strikeouts. Two. And I loved it. Ground balls are more Democratic. That's and this right. is and, and and this is not a political show, and that was not a political statement. If you watch the, the movie Bull Durham, you understand that is not a political statement. So don't tweet me if you are a, trying to read into that too much in the politics. But that is a line in the movie, ground balls are more Democratic and that's what Houston Harding did yesterday. He pitched a contact right at 10 pitches per inning. He went five and two-thirds through 60 pitches in a game. So I say that to say this. Maybe you take a page out of the book of 2013, you just roll somebody out there and says, all right, listen, the first time you walk somebody, the first time you give up a base hit, I don't care if it's the first guy of the game, we're going to bring a guy to the bullpen. So who's that guy? I mean, it could be anybody. It could be Parker Stinnett. It could be – I'll tell you this, Well, we're going to get there when we start talking about the SEC tournament. I'm taking you all around the world with this one. Is it Parker Stinnett? Is it Eric Sarantola? Is it Cade Smith? Is it Jackson Fristo? I mean, it could be a wealth
1: of guys. All right, so let's go back. You had us on track talking about Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I still I cannot adjust to Thursday series. When I say Friday, I mean Thursday. So let me do this. Let's go back, game one. In this series, we get the big inning and the guy who drove in the first run. Do you like
0: like Thursday, Friday, Saturday series?
1: I don't. You don't? No, I love them on Sunday when I wake up and we get to talk about an entire series that's been played. But I'm a a big weekend guy. Are you? I'd rather play Thursday night than Sunday
0: afternoon. Especially on, like, Mother's Day, Easter, things of that nature. Did
1: they ever tell you, I once had to do some research I was looking for a legal ordinance that was posted in a newspaper in 1909 in Biloxi. And so I had to go to the Mississippi Department of Archives, dig through the old records. And the great controversy in the early 1900s was whether to outlaw baseball on Sundays. They
0: still do that at BYU, right? I guess they do. Anyway, you look back at Thursday
1: night. You're a throwback.
0: I am a throwback. Um, (laughs) Looking at that full-run inning, you know, able to put things together and bunch some things together. Yeah, offensively, you weren't great at the plate all night, but you got the base hits, and you got everything put together when you needed to. And so we were able to get four runs in the seventh inning. And you look back at that seventh inning, Charlie, Scotty DeBrule drawing a walk kind of set the tone. And then Kellum Clark. Man, Kellum Clark in your lineup over the last couple of weeks has been so big down at the bottom of the order. It's almost like it doesn't allow a pitcher to get in rhythm because at at the end of the day over the last month, when you look start looking at down in the order, seven,
1: eight, nine, you've allowed pitchers to really
0: get some confidence down there getting ready for
1: the top of the order. Look, you were just hoping to get a guy or two on base who so could turn the order over a little bit faster.
0: And that's not a knock at these guys. I mean it's just kind of where you are in the season right now. Some guys have kind of gotten beaten out a little bit.
1: That was an 0-2 pitch, by the way, that Kellum Clark hit.
0: How many 0-2 pitches have we seen as base hits in the last couple weeks? That's one of the things that you talk about, you know, one of the old adages. but you know, One of the old adages when we were coming up is you never give up a base hit on 0-2. Pitchers and catchers used to have to run every time you gave up an 0-2 hit. And now 0-2 pitch is not that big a deal for teams to get a hit off of you.
1: I've heard some teams, even in junior college, they have what they call the kangaroo court You know, in the locker room, and you would get fined. you get fined if the guy put a ball in play with two strikes. In
0: junior college baseball? Yeah. What is that, like a meal ticket swipe? <laughs> <Is> that, right. <laughs> I, I get your breakfast t- next the next week? <laughs> That's right. I get one of your breakfasts.
1: Yeah, So, but if you gave up a hit on 0-2 or even let them put one in place, you'd see guys, as a result, throw pitches on 0-2 that weren't even competitive. And that's one of the things I like about Scott Foxhall. We, we are at least competing on two-strike pitches.
0: Okay, I don't know if we can go game by game because we've gotten so far off kilter. This has been kind of ADD in the first 19 minutes. <laughs> but I'm, I'm fine with it. I think it's okay. But winning on Friday, getting the four runs, and then you know, how you finish that game out, being able to come in, landing Sims.
1: But look at this, Bart. What was your big point about Mississippi State over the past few weekends? Texas A and M, you got eleven innings of starting pitching. Missouri, you got ten. And you talked about that last weekend. What'd your pitching staff do this week? Through first two games?
0: Fifteen innings.
1: You 15. got more in the first two. You got a third more than you got the entire weekend those two weekends.
0: And so with a two run game, you gotta bring Landon Sims in on Thursday night. And he goes two innings, no runs, one hit. <laughs> I mean five strikeouts and one walk.
1: There is no topic that divides the fan base like when are we putting <laughs> Sims in the ball game? Hey, we want him now, but then when we use him we're mad that we used him.
0: Which kinda goes at I don't want to come across as Chris Lamonis' agent here. I mean there are different ways to do different things. And have you know, have we you know, even last week we talked about what we could have done differently, even with Landon Sims. But I tell you this, man. Looking at what Chris Lamonis has done with his team, just, you know, we'll talk, take a step back and look at this macro. We won 20 games in the SEC this year. We won 20 games. He won 20 in 2019. John Cohen won 20 in 2016. Ron Polk won 20 in 1989. Winning 20 games in the SEC doesn't happen a whole lot.
1: Now, in some of Polk's years, right. they played fewer games. But I think he won two-thirds of his games, which is what Lamonis has done in his entire career, what, six times I think it was?
0: And here's what he's also done. 20 games in the league. You want to know why you get a national seed? And we talked about this two years ago when we were what the number four overall national seed is winning non-conference games. You know, in 19, we lost one non-conference game. That was to Southern Miss. This year... We lost three non-conference games. TCU in the second game of the year, who's a top-10 RPI. We lost to Brandon Olthoff on a Friday night against Tulane when he was, you know, just shoved it. And then the guy against Kent State, the Kent State guy who was just so good, the Aldrich guy, who was really good in the Saturday game, game two for Kent State. Those are your three non-conference losses. And we talked about Arkansas a minute ago and getting swept against Arkansas. And we start talking about the SEC and the SEC West, save for Arkansas. And of course, we were zero for three against Arkansas. We were thirteen and two against teams not named Arkansas in the SEC West. Thirteen and two. We swept three teams in the SEC West. So when you when you start looking at the overall picture, this has been a monumental type season.
1: And it goes back to the line between being a champion and not is so thin. But do you believe sitting here right now that we can beat Arkansas? Yes, absolutely. Do you believe we can beat Vanderbilt? Yes. There is nobody in the league we can't beat. Now, on the same end, and this is true for them, you could argue there's nobody in the team we can, nobody in the league we can't lose to either. Thus, Missouri. But ultimately, in baseball, you have to look at the big picture. You got to pick up the pieces at the end. Look at where we are. This isn't to write off what happened last weekend. This isn't to go back and say, hey, Missouri wasn't a big deal. look, we were frustrated last Sunday morning, I think with good reason, because it didn't look like a team that was playing very well. But the thing you like is they showed that they're capable of responding and they're capable of playing better. You talk about Chris Limonis. It's interesting living in Starkville. Over the years, there have been coaches in a number of sports where you see people and they're like, man, that is such an upstanding person. That is such a a great guy or lady. And you just kind of nod and say, oh, yeah, the best. If you only knew. (laughs) But if you knew what I know. And you just can't say that. I think it's interesting about Chris Lamonis. There's this idea that has kind of come up over the years on message boards and the like that he's just a guy that sits on the bucket Coach is kind of the way I did travel ball, which was to get the players to the field and otherwise stay out of the way. That's just not true. And you saw a little bit of that in the ball game yesterday, didn't you? Well, that's what I was going to go to. Is yesterday. My goal talking about murmuring. That wasn't <laughs> murmuring, buddy.
0: Yeah, they had they had to uh, they had to cut the mic on the, on the dugout.
1: We've had that happen a couple
0: of times
1: where you kind of had to cut the sound on top of the dugout. We saw it against Missouri too. A guy's not getting the job done in bunt situations or having a bad approach at the plate. Letting them hear about it. One of the things the guys will tell you that isn't always what he appears to be to those in the fans. Chris Lamonis is way way more competitive way more, I think aggressive is the wrong word, but energetic, direct, will have those tough tough conversations with guys. He is more manager than coach in my mind. I think he moves pieces a lot, but don't overlook his intensity. If you look back, and I
0: go back to the point of I'm not sitting here trying to be his agent right here, and what did we say when he was hired? When you start thinking about Chris Lamonis, when you start talk, thinking about Dan McDonald, Those guys played on probably what is referred to in college baseball as one of the most blue-collar teams to ever play. That 1990 team from the Citadel that made the College World Series. Let me tell you this, and this is not a night. That's a great school. I mean, that is a great school in Charleston, South Carolina. But for the Citadel to make the College World Series, that tells you a lot when you're part of one of those teams. And I go back to what you just said, Charlie. We see it a little bit different than a lot of other people do. There's a lot of times we smile and say, man, yeah, he's a good guy. But knowing in the back of our mind, we kind of send each other texts and say, you won't believe what I just heard today. But Chris Lamonis is a guy that gets after it. He gets after these guys. And I think you see that in the lineup as well. It's one of those lineups where I'm going to put you in and I'm going to take you out if I have to take you out. And if you start performing, I'm going to keep you in the lineup. Look at Kellum Clark right now. Kellum Clark is a big part of our offense right now, and he's in the lineup. You can continue to make moves at third base, and left field, and all around, first base. There are buttons being pushed, a lot of buttons being pushed, and that's the thing you kind of go back to the point of, you know, baseball is so different because it's the vast number of games. It's not football. It's not basketball. When you play a lengthy amount of games, different things that can happen can cause a guy to go from, you know, hitting 500 over a two two week period to go 1 for 25. But then look at Cameron James who was 1 for 25 going into the game yesterday. Who has the big hit, who has some big hits in the game on on Friday? Cameron James. That's the thing about this game. Is you can get cold in a hurry, but you can get hot in a hurry. And as a manager trying to peel back all the layers of the onion, trying to get your best night out there, it ain't easy. I'm telling you that right now. Look at the hey, look what Mike Bianco has done at Ole Miss. That guy has built a program up there. But I guarantee you, if they're having Sunday coffee today, there's some fans out there who are looking to to throw the dagger.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, that's
0: that's the thing about this. I'm sure, save Dave Van Horn. Hey, you look at Kevin O'Sullivan in Florida. I guarantee you there's some Florida fans sitting there saying this morning, hey, he's lost it.
1: Hey, we were supposed to be number one in the league, and we can't even win a game at Arkansas? I mean, can't you just hear it?
0: (laughs) Baseball is tough. Hey, LSU and Paul Maneri. I mean, they were in danger of not making the SEC tournament. And so, long story short, I think Chris Lamonis has done a heck of a job because sometimes when you have too many players, it's easy to make too many moves. It's almost like this entire 2021 season has been the right
1: number of moves. Here's the other thing I like about Chris Lamonis. When he was hired, what was the thing that people said he could do best? Recruit. We're not even seeing that yet. No. You are just now going to be to the spot where you are starting to see the guys that he's gone out and recruited.
0: Okay, let's look at this week, the SEC tournament. Arkansas is the number one seed. Congratulations to the Razorbacks. You won. They'll play the 430 game on Wednesday. Number two seed, Tennessee, and it would not have mattered had Tennessee lost yesterday and State been in second place. Tennessee would have been the number two seed in the tournament. The winners of each division are automatically number one and number two in the tournament. Tennessee was going to be the two regardless. So Tennessee is the two seed. State is the 3C because Vanderbilt, hey, we talk about all these players. I want to send a great, hearty <laughs> thank you to Colton Kessler of Kentucky for hitting that bomb against Vanderbilt yesterday. And instead of us starting at 10 o'clock at night, we're going to start at 930 in the morning. we are going to have to sweep the dew off the field. So here's to you, Colton Kessler. Nick Mangione, I know you listen sometimes. I want you to go and pat him on the back and say, a boy from Bart and Charlie. <laughs> So, we're the three, Vandy's the four, we get the buys, okay? And so, you look at how that breaks out on on Wednesday. So, we get the first game, Tennessee gets the second game, Arkansas at 4.30, then Vanderbilt gets the late night game. So, you get walked off, then congratulations, you get to play the the late game. On
1: Tuesday – May they have a 17-inning affair. Oh, man, I hope they do. Dance on the dugout and whistle all (laughs) you
0: want to whistle at 2 o'clock in the morning. Looking back to Tuesday and the play-in games, this is single elimination on Tuesday. So we'll play the winner of Florida and Kentucky. And then the second game is South Carolina and Alabama. That's the 7-10 game. Then Georgia and LSU play at four thirty, And then the late-night game in game four is Ole Miss and Auburn. That's Tuesday night. So you look at how everything broke down. Ole Miss was five. Florida was six. South Carolina seven. Georgia eight. LSU – even though they were in danger. They ended up at 9. Alabama at 10 at 12 and 7, then Kentucky's 11, and Auburn sneaks in there. The Auburn Tigers at 10 and 20, and so that's how the SEC tournament breaks up. Charlie, last year without this tournament, we realized just how much fun it is. Now, I go back to what we said a few weeks ago. Before the Missouri series, if we're playing well and we've wrapped up the national seed, you wonder just how important the SEC tournament is. Who do you start on Wednesday morning, 9.30?
1: Are you available?
0: Oh, Canada.
1: No, I was thinking maybe we could roll uh, roll you out there. I just don't care. I, no. no, I take that.
0: I want a bullpen game, and and, and Chris Lamont kind of alluded to that yesterday, of, hey, Wednesday may be a bullpen game just to kind of get your pitching back in somewhat of a rotation. You get into, th- into Thursday, and then you've got McLeod on seven-day rest. And I like, I like throwing McLeod on Thursday because you give him an extra day rest for the NCAA tournament. And so you kind of keep everybody on this week. If you had McLeod on Thursday, Bednar on Friday, and then those guys are going Friday, Saturday, next weekend.
1: I think I treat Wednesday like I would a Tuesday night game against North Alabama. Somebody's going to start and go an inning, maybe two, and then somebody's going to throw an inning, somebody's going to throw an inning, and we're just going to keep going.
0: Cade Smith, Brandon Smith, Mikey Tepper – Eric Sarantola, you know, I laughed about it, you know, old Canada a minute ago, but, I mean, this is a game you may throw Eric Sarantola
1: out there and just say, hey, get us as far as you can get us. And here's the bad thing, because I know as much as I'm sitting here right now telling you it doesn't matter, you can throw it, I can throw it, I I don't care, I know that if we're playing Florida.
0: When you see Kevin O'Sullivan over there, you're going to say, man, I want to win this game.
1: I'm going to be texting with you and our other buddies and, just saying, we can't hit a curveball, and what's wrong with us? And why aren't we throwing strikes? And you got to get seams up, and you know some other <laughs> foolishness, uh, because that's what happens. Now, here's the thing. Uh, one more plug for Chris Lamonis, I guess, here on the Chris Lamonis Appreciation Hour is, I think, our if anything has happened, if we've learned anything about this coaching staff this year, is that they manage series and games with their mind, not their heart. They don't let their emotions get in the way. You know, as a fan, I'd be very tempted a few times to say, I don't care how many pitches he threw yesterday. Let's get him back out there. But this isn't a video game. I mean, these are real live arms. Yeah. And you've got to give guys rest. And if anything, I think we're built for the final push here in the season better than others. Hey, Arkansas lost an arm this weekend.
0: Oh, Paulette went down. Sure yeah.
1: Did. And you start to add it up. You look around the league. Ole Miss has lost guys. Arkansas. Vandy's had some trouble. LSU. Where are we? Sitting pretty good in terms of arms. So as Knock far as wood. Wednesday goes, yeah. Of course. Hit that table. Hit yeah. that table hard, yeah. Yeah. So as far as Wednesday goes, I don't I don't have any heartburn as to which way it goes. But I do agree with you. I'd pitch McLeod on Thursday. If you play Friday, I'd throw Bednar. And I would though be really surprised if any of them throw more than about what? Seventy
0: five pitches? Yeah. Supposed to be hot this week supposed to be real, extremely hot. We talked to Chris Stratton about that a few weeks ago, about how hot that 2012 SEC tournament was. It was hot again in 2013 as well, but supposed to be real hot in Hoover this week. So if you go over there, make sure you hydrate. I saw where they opened up some more tickets. They actually went on sale last night, at 7 o'clock. Some more, uh, some more reserve tickets went on sale with the SEC. I think that may be individual games. Of and what by the put way,
1: if you're going, reserve seats are overrated in Hoover. They are because what you're going to want to do is get up in the get up in the shade anyway. Right. That reserve seat behind the plate's going to for a guy like me that's no value.
0: And, and for the people who kind of fret over tickets, don't. I mean, unless it's Mississippi State and Ole Miss and the Sunday game, you're not going to have problems getting a ticket. And I've had a, fo- a few of those folks you know toward the end of the week this past week. Hey, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get in. Yeah, you're going to be fine if you want to see Mississippi State play be- play baseball. It's not one of those situations where you drive to Hoover and just hope. No, you'll be able to find a way to to watch State play baseball.
1: Who's on the broadcast for these games this week?
0: I have no idea, but I did hear they are going to Hoover. Nice. Yeah, I heard Kyle Peterson say that, that they are actually going to Hoover. Now, that'll be great. That'll be great. I don't know what our schedule will be for this coming week as far as our out-of-left-field show because we play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We'll have to talk about that. Uh, This past week, we had Pete Young – on our show, who was simply outstanding, Greg Byrne. We kind of previewed the state Alabama series, but man, Pete was outstanding. Told some good stories about getting locked in the clubhouse, and just a big part of that Mississippi State program, the eighty-seven to eighty-nine. And so, hey, we we really appreciate you guys listening. Of course, we're brought to you on Sunday by Cannon Ford of Starkville. Cannon Ford, they've got the uh, new makes and models. When you start talking about Lincoln's and Fords. If you're looking for a used car, new car, they can order it for you if they don't have it on the line. But what they're great at is their service. Their customer service is phenomenal. So if you're looking for a spray-in bed liner, if you're looking to trick out your truck, if you need new tires, you need to fix something on your truck. If you're hearing some knocking when you shouldn't hear some knocking, you need your windshield changed out. Whatever you need, go to Cannon Ford of Startville. They will treat you right, and they'll be nice, and they'll put a smile on the face on their face when they're doing it too. And, of course, you get some dents and bumps, head on out to the body shop. And they'll get you taken care of there. So that's where I do all of my business is at Cannon Ford of Startville. So, Charlie, hey, I think we're out of time. We've gone, what, 35, 36 minutes here. At the end of the day, we did exactly what we did needed to do we didn't really have to we didn't have to sweep Alabama but man at the overall picture it's really really good to kind of go into the SEC tournament knowing you're not like number seven or number eight in the RPI you're solidly at number five and so you really feel good about your chances of being a national seed
1: if we were sitting here when this season started and I told you we were going to be 20 and 10 would you have thought I was being optimistic or pessimistic?
0: I would have thought you were being stupid. I, I, I hate to say it like that. I didn't think 20 and 10, to be honest with you, was attainable for anybody. But to see what three or four teams have done in this league of kind of rising to the top and what we said was going to be the deepest year in the SEC, I didn't think anybody would be 20 and 10.
1: And then my second question for you is, we talked about this was going to be the most talented year in the league and that it was going to be deep, that players were going to be really good. Did you think that proved to be true looking back?
0: I look at the season, and I know coaches are going to tell me completely different. And I know you probably saw more matchups out of your bullpen than you probably will normally see. At the end of the day, I think baseball is baseball. I think these guys got on these rosters for a reason. And to me, it just looked like SEC baseball. I, I would, thought it was good. I thought it was good. I thought it was a great year, but was it exponentially better this year just from the eye of the beholder? I thought it was just I thought it was baseball.
1: I did too. I told somebody I thought we had this conversation last night. I thought the league was more talented, but I thought college baseball overall perhaps a little less skilled. And what I mean by that is, I think we are still seeing the effect somewhat of guys in their development who missed out on a summer in the Cape, guys who missed out on some of that instruction. One of the coolest things that we've gotten to do is to visit with Ron Polk between innings so much this year. And he will see things and say, if that guy had been in the Cape last year like he was supposed to be, he's not making the play that way. There's just that being able to get – and you say, well, why can't you fix it here? Well, you try. But, you know, when they go up to the Cape, they're not students. They're not anything other than ball players all day, all night.
0: And wins and losses are not that imp- – I mean, they're important. I mean, they, they have their all-stars and they have their championship series. But that's where guys go. Chris Stratton talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Butch Thompson sent me to the Cape and says, okay, figure out your slider. And that's what I want you to work on. And it's like Ron Polk has said, hey, you throw a guy out there to start the game. Hey, buddy, let me tell you, you got three innings tonight. And I don't care if it takes you – 20 minutes or an hour and a half, you're going to be out here for three innings. Unless something goes crazy, you don't look over your shoulder and look in the bullpen. It's just a way to figure things out on your own.
1: Now, I think the way we're going to see whether the league is that much better is over the next four weeks. Are we going to see the SEC dominate the postseason? I kind of think we will. I think the SEC is going to be really good. Now, what's going to hurt us? You just wait.
0: No, we're they're going, going
1: to, to Paris. We're going to have so many SEC teams knock each other off. When the regional I, – I, I just want to go ahead and say this. Although they haven't come out yet, I'm absolutely infuriated about the regional settings. <laughs> <laughs> the seedings are just – I'm offended. Just go ahead and copy, paste that for later because there's going to be – you just wait. What are you going to do if we match up with Arkansas? I think we won't because we'll both – both be national seeds, but what if we match up with Ole Miss? What if Ole Miss matches up with Arkansas? All those things are in play. Yeah, they are. Well,
0: I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. On Monday, they'll have the selection show, and so next Monday, a week from this coming Monday, Memorial Day Monday is when they'll have the selection, and so hey, at least we know that we're going to be hosting. We're going to be hosting, and that's the great thing. So, Charlie, enjoyed it. We can talk all morning after wins. Feels a lot better better today than we did this time last week. And so, appreciate you guys listening. State winning three this weekend. They'll play 9.30 Wednesday morning against the winner of Florida and Kentucky in the SEC tournament. Appreciate you guys listening to Sunday Coffee, presented by Cannon Ford of Starkville.